This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Dan Labono. Dan! Hi. What? Hi. How are you? Oh, love you. I'm so <laughs> glad you. that we get to do this. I, In my mind, I don't know why we didn't do this sooner. That's my we bad. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. Um, everything. Um, now, you and I came together through Disney, of course, like a lot yes. of people. Uh, <laughs> in New York City, Pearl Studios, monitoring for you, casting some yeah. of the fantastic, wonderfully magical shows at oh the Oh my parks, God, yeah. Yes. Um, which are not happening right now. Which are not happening right now. Yeah. It's so sad. How are you holding up? Uh, you know, it's this whole, I'll, I'll quote Brenda Braxton from Stars and House last night, this yeah. pandemic, you know, has really, <laughs> has really thrown a wrench in the machine that we had going so beautifully, you know. We really did. Uh, auditioning thousands of people all, all over the country for our shows down here in Orlando at Walt Disney World. But, uh, you know, it was quite a shock when we all were furloughed. Um, and we just had to do the right thing about, you know, handling the pandemic, what we needed to do and how it, thinking strategically, how to reopen safely, not only for our guests, but for our performers. So, uh, you know, wrestling with all that, talking to friends and figuring all that stuff out. I, I had the, a wonderful opportunity to choreograph and direct a show uh, at the Dr. Phillips Center, which is uh, our theater where all the tours come in. Uh, to Orlando is a, it was a, a, a it's called the Applause Award. So we recognize high school kids all over the city who are awesomely talented. And we did a socially distant show. And my fiance Carl and I were asked to uh, choreograph and direct this show. So we did the whole thing socially distanced. Wow. You know, uh, it was really amazing how you, you can make this work if you if you put your mind to it. Mm. There are workarounds, and we did. We had 130 kids on stage at a time. Uh, socially distanced and singing and dancing and no one there was no outbreaks no infections no nothing right. uh so just keep keeping myself occupied in those arenas um and doing zoom calls and podcasts and all this stuff just to keep the message out there that we're going to come back stronger than ever yeah. um has kept me positive through the last six seven months it's beautiful and i want to take it back to the beginning of time for dan what were your theater dreams growing up Oh, you know, my theater dreams, uh, I never, I never, I never had Broadway really on my map, uh, on my goal list, um, until I came down after I studied musical theater, but I never thought I was going to be good enough. We all have that feeling of never being good enough to, uh, do a big show on Broadway or national tour. Uh, it wasn't until I was down in Orlando and I was working here and friends of mine were just kind of drifting off and going to New York and landing Broadway shows until a friend of mine came up and said, Dan, you should really go to New York. You, you are good enough. And I was like, really? Like, really? I doubted it. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to turn 50 years old and have a regret of not making an effort to go make a, a career change or to go and, and try a, to get on a Broadway stage. So I said, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to, I don't want any regrets. So I literally quit my job. I packed my car, drove to New York and uh, crying the whole way because I thought I was making the biggest mistake of my life. Uh, <laughs> but I was seriously, I was, was like, what am I doing? I have no money. I have nothing. I just have a dream. Right. And uh, thanks to a lot of great friends of mine that kind of swept me under the wings and inspired me that I just hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And uh 
thank God things worked out for me. I was really lucky to luck, luck. I, I say luck, lucky. Yes, there is luck in this business, yeah. but you also have to do the hard work to support that. You know, you have to put the work in to make sure that that luck comes true for you. Uh, so I, I, once I had my set on, no, I'm going to get a Broadway show. Uh, that's when I really started uh, pounding the pavement and trying to make that dream a reality. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? growing up uh you know my parents honestly they were they were supportive of me but they didn't they weren't stage parents at all they just kind of let me do my thing you know uh but my parents always said uh just do good work and always be honest and i was like wow that's kind of interesting that they would say always be be, be who you are and be honest uh so they, I was, I always tried to be who I was. I always tried to work really hard. And I, I, I was always honest in my auditions in who I was. And I felt like, uh, that really put the groundwork in for having a good work ethic because, uh, being your true authentic self is what's going to keep you, uh, sustainable in the business because I always felt like I was a good person. People, I like to be around people. People like to be around me. Sure. And that really is, and I preach this so many times, the work ethic is 95% of your success. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, uh, you know, I'll quote Jerry Mitchell, who's a Broadway director. He, he says, like, when he's casting a show, that he imagines the person he's looking at. It, can he imagine sitting next to you on a bus? from Rochester to Orlando, you know, oh, Lord. <laughs> and, and would, and would that person drive him crazy? You know, yeah. and it's the person that you can just sit next to on a bus for hours and hours and, and be a friend and be an honest person. Uh, that's who you want in your cast. That's those are the kind of people you want in your shows. And you're one of those, you're one of those perfect examples of that because oh, the first meet you seriously, you have this, such this bubbling personality and, <laughs> When I first met you, I was like, oh, I could totally sit on a bus next to Clay for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> We'd have a great time. And that's who you want to work with. That's who you want to uh, surround yourself with. Yeah. Uh, because good people always uh, strive more and they are more successful. It's true. You're absolutely right. Sometimes even kindness and who you are off stage has way more of an effect, like you just said, than what you do on stage. Oh, I my gosh. You'll take someone nice over someone who's uber, 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 uber talented. Yes, right. I've seen so many people, even when I was working in New York and when I was being casting director, the people that were just had that reputation of being difficult to work with just never could get their careers to launch off, you know, unless you were, you know, someone uber talented, but right. that's rare. Yeah. Uh, because you watch people, how they treat their dressers, the the prop person, the electrician. The monitor. Yes, the monitor. <laughs> yes, exactly. You watch them. Yeah. And you can even tell when pe how you watch people treat a waiter. You know, like you learn a lot about someone, you know, like I think it's Maya Angelou says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And uh, I always was grateful enough that I was surrounded with mostly people that I love to be with on and off stage, being friends with the crew. You know, they will save your butt so many times, you know, yeah. uh, when there's a problem or you know, the prop is missing and they'll work their butt off to make sure that you're you're going on stage with all the right tools. You know, it's just it's super, super, super important. Like from a casting perspective, you know, some of our, our dancers on occasion will have a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. And then when they come around to casting that person again, the directors will be like, no way. I, I just can't have that person in my show. And uh, it, if I really push for them, I have to really work hard 
to change their minds because they just don't want people in their shows that are going to be, you know, ill-behaved or just not a team, be part of a team or part of a cast. It is so much. It's so much about it's so much about the team. I want to connect some dots here. Now, okay. you after you graduate uh, college, yes. were you what was your journey with Disney through so, you know Broadway back to Disney? What did that look like? So uh, when I finished college, I auditioned for Disney. Disney came through to I went to the Conservatory of Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, CCM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, auditioned for Disney. They came through and auditioned the campus. And at the same time, I got offered uh, a program called, it was called the Epcot Institute of Performing Arts. So the Magic Kingdom was turning 15 years old. This was way back. And they were, <laughs> they were, doing, they were doing this big show called 15 Years of Magic. But it was almost like a college program because we would go down and we would take classes. We would learn from industry pros. But we'd also do this amazing magic show on the castle stage. And that was my first introduction when I got hired to, to come down. I came down. They put us up. It was a fantastic show. And I was one of the, the, uh, the principal vocalists in the show. And, uh, and after we did that, I was contracted for a year. After that, that show closed... Disney kept me on to be one of the regular performers down there. So I was the top of the, it was a Broadway review show at uh, the Contemporary Hotel, five vocalists, a dinner show, you know, singing all the Broadway hits back in the back of the eighties. Um, but um, it was, a, a, that was um, where I kind of cut my teeth, where I was doing different shows, dancing on different stages, different people, like really getting my performance chops up to par yeah. because I, I felt like I had the tools, but I just had, didn't have that on stage experience. So Disney gave me all of that stuff. But then it wasn't until, like I said earlier, someone said, you should really go to New York. And uh, when I left for New York and had my success, I traveled back through tours through Orlando and all my friends down here got to see me, uh, you know, working in the industry, yeah. hopefully inspiring other people to make the break from Disney and go off and have your, have your, your, your career. Right. Um, uh, it wasn't until 2010, uh, I had been in New York for 18 years, doing Chicago off and on. Uh, and I was, a, by the last, last eight years of my career in, in New York, I was a vacation swing for Chicago. So I was doing all the, I did all the, covered all the male roles, covered Billy Flynn. And uh, I remember sitting on stage and saying like, I think, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And I didn't know where to go. I had nowhere to go. Mm. And I thought, well, Orlando was a good time. I still have friends here mm. and I need family and friends to support me as I transition into this, what we call last night, uh, stars in the house, that act two, like, what do you do next? Act two, now what? Yeah. Act two, now what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of, a lot of performers do get to that point where like, ah, oh, I just, I think it's time for me to stop. You know, you brought up a really good point and I want to touch on it before we continue on here. Yeah. You were on stage or backstage yeah. when you had the decision. I think I it's did. time to go. So if, what was if that? If you've seen Chicago, there's a lot of the cast is on stage for most of the show. Oh yeah, and you're sitting in chairs, you're all spaced out, and lot you have a lot of time to think. <laughs> so you're supposed to be engaged in the action, but a lot of times you drift off into your own. And I wanted to write a book called Life in the Alley. Those are the two alleys that go beside the set piece, right? Because you're, a lot of times you're staring at a blank wall for you know for an hour, whether you're not doing action. Yeah. And I remember. An epiphany. I said, I think it's. I think I need to go, because there were other people in the show that have been doing it for a long time. This is like when you're doing a long running show, you will age out eventually, mm. 
And what Chicago would do, this is an insider scoop, but they would send you a FedEx with a letter that says you're done. And you had to go to the theater that night to clean out your space and you were done. They retired you. Yeah. And they had someone else younger, better, hotter, whatever it was to go in. I didn't want, I never wanted to get that FedEx. Yeah. Um, so I, I literally was sitting there, I go, I think it's time for me to give this chair, give this this spot, give this role to someone else that it has a dream, that's chasing a dream as well. I've had it long enough. I, I had a great career, a great run in New York. I was very lucky uh, to have the experience that I had to be in long-running shows, uh, to be in an original cast, to be in a Tony Award-winning show with Thoroughly Modern Millie. Like, I had all these great successes, you know? We didn't even talk about that yet. <laughs> but yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, so um, I, I did. I, 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 and I walked into the stage manager's office the next day. I said, I'm setting a date, December 1st, 2010. I'm, I'm walking away from the show. And they would always call me to come in. They called me. One night they called me. I was I had an apartment on 45th and 9th. And I was sitting home. It was about 9 o'clock. And I get a call from the stage manager. He goes, hey, are you home? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. He goes, we need a Fred Casely for the second act tonight. And I had done the show in a while. Like I was like, are you serious? Can you get here by 9.20 by the time the intermission starts? And I was like, yeah. So I literally threw my clothes on and ran up 9th Avenue. Like in the middle on the double lines. Because... Yeah. So much traffic. Oh my god! And I ran, and they threw a costume <laughs> on me, and I finished the show as Fred Casely for the second act. You know, I love those experiences. Well, it's um, so New York. <laughs> it was so New York. I know. Um, but but yeah, um, um, that's that was my epiphany. I had to let all that go. And was, I, I, was there a lot of turmoil there for you, or was this a very clear, you know, moment with oh, yourself? Was, there was no turmoil in that cast. And I'm done. For me. No, but I mean, like, I, within yourself, how you felt about having to leave. Yeah, like, I knew that I, I just, I loved what I did, but I just knew that I, I didn't want to be one of those people that did it. I was already in my mid-40s at the time. I'm still dancing. Mm. And it was hard to keep yourself in shape for that show, okay? Because there's a physical element. You're naked. I think you had to be, you know, yeah. you, you have... 0.3% body fat and you're like oh my god I'm huge I'm you know the body dysmorphia that happens after that show too is another thing we can talk about but uh, yeah I knew that I just, I just couldn't keep my body up because one of the questions I get a lot is like when you're doing a Broadway show like what are you doing during the day before you go in to the show and my life was always gym yoga chiropractor physical therapy Pilates like anything I could to keep myself to fit into that costume to be ripped and just to be in shape yeah and i was just tired of it i just yeah. was really just tired it was getting harder and harder to keep myself physically in tune with what that show demanded and i said i i don't want i don't want anyone to go oh my god that guy over there he's just so not the what chicago is supposed to be you know yeah so it was a, it was a struggle and i was talking to brenda last night about it i had to mourn that loss of of leaving what I had only known to do for my entire life. Like, I don't, what, what, I've only done this for 40 years, you know? Right. And uh, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I left New York and I came down to Orlando and literally I didn't work for a year and a half. Like, I had nothing. Like, I couldn't get bites, nothing. And thank God for my friends over here that just kept supporting me and lifting me up, saying something's going to happen, something's going to happen, you know? But uh, yeah. with something, yeah. Can you join in the conversation in terms of your connection to Disney and casting? What that looked oh, like? How that came about? So one of the first jobs I got, I interviewed for, they were looking for a producer for the American Idol Experience. 
uh, which was a simulation show, which was hugely popular. It was also in tandem with the show out what was going on in L.A. Uh, so what we would do, if you don't know what the show is, we would uh, guests would come in, audition for casting directors and producers. We would pick 15 people a day to actually appear on a Disney stage. It's almost like a big karaoke machine, you know? Yeah. Appear. <laughs> And if you were in that age bracket, it was like 14 to 28, and you won, we crowned an American Idol every day. If you won that dream ticket, you could take the dream ticket to LA and get right to the producers. So oh. you get, a, it was like the ultimate fast pass. You know oh what I'm saying? Yes, ultimate. <laughs> so uh, they were looking for a producer, the actual guy that makes the decision about whether the guest gets to be in the show or not. So, so I interviewed for that and. While I was interviewing, they were also looking for casting directors for Disney parks. So I kind of, the timing was perfect because the HR person that was in my interview uh, also tagged me, said, I want to see you come in for, because of my experience, to come in for a casting director for, uh, for Walt Disney World. So yeah. I got hired to do the producer job. So now I'm in this producer job, which was amazing, but I was also a leader. I was also leading a team of casting directors. Uh, I learned a lot about the Disney company, about management, leadership, all that stuff. And I, I was content. But um, when I, well, about maybe a month or two into starting that job, I did get a call from HR saying, we're putting you on the casting director bench. And this is what Disney does. When they identify you for a role, they'll put you on this virtual bench and sit you there until a role opens up. Right. So you've already been interviewed. You've already gone through all the paces. You're identified. Now you yeah. sit and wait. So I waited for seven years to get the role. I, it took a lot of patience because the Disney jobs, the Disney casting director jobs, no one was leaving. Like they loved their jobs, what they did. And they're branded with the company. Why, why would you leave? It's such a fabulous job, you know? Yeah. Um, so literally I, but I, I had to up my game uh, when it comes to my experience. I didn't have a lot of experience with casting, only the American Idol, which, was a great experience in itself. Uh, that's when I applied for a job at Norwegian Cruise Line. They're looking for a manager of theatrical operations and casting. Hmm. So with my operations skills I learned at Disney and my casting, yeah. they brought me on to head the casting team for Norwegian Cruise Line. And that was uh, amazing, but one of the hardest jobs I've ever, ever done because we were casting a thousand people a year. <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling all over the world by myself, conducting auditions, going to, you know, casting book shows, which was great, but also doing variety shows, production shows, aerialists, tumblers, like oh, everything. It was everything. <laughs> yeah. Their shows are so diverse when it comes to the skills. Yeah. That's what I fell in love with casting. I I tell this all I say, you know, casting for me is like I if a, if a creative team says we're looking for five mud pies, I love <laughs> that that thrill of finding the five best mud pies, you know, because that's what really a casting director's job is, yeah. getting clear with what the creative team wants for these roles and then going out and finding it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't care what I was casting. I just loved going and facilitating the talent and then presenting with what I thought was the best for the creative team to pick from, to choose from. Like, here's your smorgasbord. Here are all the best people I've seen all over the world. And now you get to pick who you want to be in your show. Oh my God. So, yeah. So I, I did that uh, for about a year and a half uh, when Disney did finally call and they said, we want you to be a casting director for Disney Cruise Line to oversee all the casting for the character performers and the dancers that appear in the main stage shows. 
So that's a tough job. That that was also tough. Thank God I I had the experience from Norwegian, right? Uh, because you have to speak ship in order to really understand that. You know, I say you got to speak ship. You got to know what all the those lingo. the lingo. Yeah, yeah you got to know because you got to you know every person that I cast for the cruise line, you have to make sure they understand what they're signing up for. Like it's not an easy job. It's Ooh. it's it is not easy. That's there are why easier jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there. Yes, I know. And you know, like yeah. one of the roles, like I had to find a goofy performer that has is a certain specific height. Sure. That could dance, do double turns, Russians. Oh my god. That could also be a prince, so he's got to have the features of a prince, but he's also got to do the voice of Stitch or Crush from Nemo. Yeah. So now you got to check all these boxes off. So now your talent pool gets smaller, 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 smaller. Yeah. So. You, know, so you get the perfect dead ringer, and then they can't do the voice of Crush. You're like, oh, I gotta start over. Yeah. You know that process is tough, but it was also really fun to do. But uh, I did I did Disney Cruise Line for about six months when my leader came to me and said, we're gonna switch you over to the parks. We feel like you'd be better fit doing our parks because I I wasn't able to really interact with my cast. I wasn't I didn't get to go out and see them. No. Uh, yeah. So I, I love getting to know the people, the, the dancers, singers that I cast because I want I want to know who they are sure. and how they're doing. Uh, so uh, that was in 2017 when I got the job that I currently have now. So that's that crazy how that crazy journey. Yes, crazy journey. In terms of casting and whatever this means to you, okay. how have you gotten better? Oh, better. Uh, I have gotten really good, and I'll say this honestly. I've heard, I've listened to so many vocalists sing that literally, when I say I can tell a good voice in the first four bars uh, of, of a vocalist, uh, I've learned to identify you know vocal fatigue, vocal strain, uh, where I can I, I I've got a sense of I can see the voice coming out of the person. I know where that technique is. Mm. If you've had the training, I can see the train. It's almost like a sixth sense for me. Yeah. So you you get really your ear gets really defined when a singer's in front of you. I I know in just a few seconds whether they're going to be able to do what I want them to do. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's that over the years has made me better. Um, when I've seen dancers, I do a lot of the dancers here. Um, it's it's I I love watching them come into the room. And identifying the ones that have the confidence that are there, they're just, mm, you know, you like they can they're, feel it out of the corner of the eye. Like, yes. To it. <laughs> it, and that's where my eye goes. If my eye is going to you because you've got something going on, yeah. that's that's the person I'm going to remember. You know, a lot of people, I, don't, I can't remember everybody at my auditions. But, right. you know, of course, like when we're casting Disney shows, you have to be certain. A, a silhouette has to be, in, it has to be there, a, right. a look, you know. Um, so when you weed out all the other ones and you're down to your 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 callback, you got all your favorites in there, that it's it's watching those dancers that can pick up quickly. You know, I've I've learned to really identify and my I trust my my instincts to let my eye go to where it wants to go. Mm. And if that person's pulling me, their my attention to them, I I, I remember them and uh, usually the ones that I will keep calling back because there's something going on there. But it, took, it took time because when you have so many people in a room, you're like, ah, oh, like I can't see everybody at one time. Like you d develop that sense of of just trusting your guts and, and, and driving your attention to what's pulling you. Yeah. 
oh, it's crazy. I know. Just thinking back on the days when I worked with you, you know, yeah. not a few times, only like four or five times we worked <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah. But you remember the numbers. Like, I remember we were just there. And it was like 72, 134, 142. There were like yeah. certain, you just remember the number of the person. You do. Yeah. You so good. Yeah, you associate the number to what they're wearing sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. 70 blue, 70, whatever. Yeah. You just kind of know what that, you know, I, I will be like, it's 47, you know? Yeah. Or sometimes I even had, uh, I don't I think you, maybe you've done this to me before, but uh, in Florida, uh, was one day Greg James, who's our, our, our associate down there, uh, came in to the room. I was in the middle of audition. He went 47. No. Oh. Like the person was rude to him outside. Oh. So now I've got 47 on my brain. Like, you're a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where is she? Okay, bye. Like, you know, I have no problem doing that, seriously, because if you're mean to my coordinators or my people running my audition to help me be efficient, no, no, sir. No, ma'am. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.